Welcome to Call Jeshurun, a podcast from Congregation B'nai Jeshurun, a vibrant and flourishing Reformed Jewish community in Short Hills, New Jersey. Welcome. I am Rabbi Matthew Gewertz. Call Jeshurun is where you can come to engage with teachings of relevant wisdom and music. You will hear from our clergy, staff, and guest speakers who will help bring meaning into a world that so badly needs it. If you would like to learn more about our congregation, please visit us at tbj.org. Boker Tov. My name is Cantor Lucy Fishbein, and I'm the cantor at Congregation B'nai Jeshurun. At the start of the pandemic, the TBJ community started coming together every morning on Facebook Live to begin our days together during a time when we all felt so distant from one another. Now, over a year later, we still greet each other this way each morning of the week. The following are excerpts from the Boker Tov messages from myself and the rabbis of TBJ. Each message was recorded live on a weekday morning over the last few months. We hope they bring meaning to your lives today. Booker Tov, everybody. It is great to be with you and um, to start our day off together. Let's just start by finding a comfortable place to sit. If you like, you can roll your head around, you can move your shoulders up and down, you can start to feel the way your body feels today, which might be different than how it felt yesterday, will definitely be different than how it feels tomorrow. You can start to just sort of move your body around a little bit, and then when you're, when you're a little more comfortable, just take a, find a place that where your, your sit bones, the heavy bones inside your body, find their way to a chair, you can stand if you like. And just start to take a few deep breaths. You can close your eyes if you like, or you can just sort of gaze off into the distance. If there's a photo you'd like to look at, or a piece of art, or a plant, any of that, you can just sort of find a place for your eyes to glance. And start to feel the breath roll in and out. starting to feel the way breath feels, like the tide, in and out. You don't have to work too hard. And after a few breaths, you can start to feel what it feels like to make the inhale a little bit longer, just by a second, and the exhale a little bit longer, maybe by two seconds. how it feels for your lungs to gather a little more air and to breathe it out. This beautiful spring day, we perhaps set an intention for what today will be like. Today is, as we will talk about in just a moment, today is Yom HaShoah. Today is the day when we mark those in the darkest chapters of our history who lost their lives 
who were killed, who were murdered by hatred and bigotry, by those who thought the world would be better if it was just one kind of person who didn't see the beauty and the possibility in diversity. As we breathe in, we feel a gratitude in being able to breathe in for the freedom to breathe in so many places, for the freedom to breathe in that freedom and to breathe out the way in which we do it for others, the way in which we help free others. We stand up for things that are wrong. Just a few more breaths. I hope you are feeling that expansiveness in your chest now. Alohai neshama shenatata horahi, God, the soul you have given us. It is good, it is pure. At night we breathe it out for your safekeeping, and in the morning we breathe it back in so we can do good work in the world. Two more breaths and we will come back together. You can flutter your eyes open. Booker Tove, everyone. everyone to take a really deep breath. Recognizing the restorative power of our breath. I think we've talked before about the fact that nishama, the word for soul, and nishima, the word for breath, are almost exactly the same. So when we wake up in the morning, the first thing that we are supposed to say is Elohai neshama shenatata bi tehorahi. Thank you, God, or my God above, you have breathed my soul back into me, and thank you. Acknowledging that when we take a breath can really make us feel alive. Yesterday, I had a really um, lovely conversation with a group of teens from TBJ about the ways in which breathing can calm us down, especially when we're feeling stressed. I was thinking about 
the idea of self-care, which has become a real buzzword, right? We talk about self-care all the time. We talk about needing to make time for self-care, particularly during the pandemic. Self-care has become a real focal point. Self-care actually has really deep Jewish roots, and I want to offer a couple of practices that I actually think could be really healing and restorative as the weather gets a little bit warmer and as the sun starts to shine for longer. So um, you may be familiar with a mystical practice called heat bodedut, which means just speaking to God. Um, so this could mean, you know, literally going out into the fields or into the woods and crying out to God um, when you are in distress. It could mean uh, going for a bike ride. It could mean going for a nice long walk. Um, but it's interesting because um, Reb Nachman of Roslov recommends that heat bodedut be done outside. And there's actually um, a, uh, a quote from one of his writings, Likutei Moharan, which says, um, when a person prays in the fields, all the flora enters into the prayer, helping him and strengthening his prayer. This is the reason that prayer is called sicha, which means conversation, because the concept of siach, the shrub of the field, all of the shrubs of the field empower and assist his prayer. So I love that imagery. There is a lot of nature imagery in our liturgy, in our prayers, when on Kabbalah Shabbat, when we talk about um, singing out to God, there are um, quotes from the Psalms that refer to the the mountains and the waters clapping and crying out in joy. Um, and so there's just this beautiful idea that nature can actually assist us in prayer. And so why did I start with Adonai Sifatai Tiftach? This is a quote from our liturgy that we, um, that we say before we say the Amidah. And you know, this is a, this is a, a prayer that we say, you know, typically when we're in the midst of, um, praying in a formal way. But I want to offer that these words of text, these words of prayer, can really assist us in um, engaging in conversation with God in an informal way, in a way that might actually be healing to ourselves throughout the day. So I don't know about you, but at the start of the pandemic, um, when we went into lockdown, going for walks really became my saving grace. I had never really been a person that mean. And since life has started to sort of reemerge. I mean, obviously we're, we're in this sort of interesting liminal space where we're not really back to normal, but we're not really uh, where we were last March. I haven't been going for walks as much, and partially I think it's because the weather has been so cold and it's been so dark. But this weekend I made uh, a point, or this past week really, I made a point of trying to go for a walk every couple of days, every time the sun was out enough to really merit, um, you know, going for a nice long substantial walk. And I wanted to take notice of whether I had any kind of sort of physical, emotional response to this reemergence into nature. And I noticed for myself that my mental health feels so much more stable when I spend some time outside. And so when I read this quote from the Rebbe that when we go outside and we talk to God, and we pray in the fields that the flora, that the, the presence of nature is actually assisting us in prayer and making our prayers stronger. I was sort of, I had this sort of Jewish light bulb moment where I think there's something so profound and beautiful about the idea that 
sometimes we need a little bit of assistance, but we also need privacy. We need that um, personal, individual relationship with God that um, where we don't want to pray in a, in a group setting. We just want to have space to talk to God in whatever way that makes sense to us. But to go out into nature and allow the trees and the leaves and the clouds and the sunshine to assist our prayer. I'm looking out the window as I say this to you. Um, to me feels like this glorious natural sort of minion that um, one could never really imagine. Um, so as we prepare to, um, to enter into springtime where we gain more sunlight and as we uh, celebrate that extra light in our lives, I want to encourage us to go outdoors and commune with both God and nature and really with ourselves to grapple with you know where we've been where we're going and to invite ourselves to crack our hearts open just a little bit and allow nature and um, the natural world outside to assist us in our prayer and our relationship with God and perhaps be a little bit healing and if you need a little bit of assistance to help you open your prayer you can always begin with Adonai Sifatai Tiftach Eternal God, open up my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. I love that phrase of our text. I love where it shows up in our liturgy, and I think it's so beautiful um, as a kavanah, as an intention, before we offer the prayers of our heart as well. So we just came off Passover, which was our uh, our time to remember the Exodus, to remember that journey to freedom. Then yesterday is Yom HaShoah, Holocaust Remembrance Day. And that day that our hearts just sink at remembering the millions of souls lost in the Holocaust, the millions of Jewish souls and non-Jewish souls, and how heavy of a day that, that really is. And then soon we'll be coming up on Yom HaZikaron, the day that uh, we'll remember uh, the those who uh, lost their lives uh, fighting for the state of Israel, fallen soldiers, and those lost uh, in other conflicts with Israel. And um, the season of remembrance, I think, really gets to me. And something that I've thought a lot about with it is uh, the idea of passively remembering and actively remembering. And if we think about the Hebrew word uh, to remember, uh, that a lot of us, know, a lot of you know, uh, uh, Yizkor, uh, when we talk about our Yizkor service, it's our service of remembrance. Um, and it comes from the, that's the root of the word. Uh, and the infinitive of the word, the like command form of the word is Lizkor, which is used in uh, our, the commandment, the Torah, to remember Shabbat. We're told to least core Shabbat, to remember uh, Shabbat. And just one of the things that I want to kind of point out is the difference between the passive form of least core and the active of least core. Uh, and that they're the same root, they're the same word, but the idea that we think about actively remembering Shabbat. East core is kind of more of a passive thing, the idea of remembering. And I have been, I have thought actually a lot in the, the last few years, uh, the idea of shifting from a remembrance that's passive to a remembrance that's active. And what we can do 
to make our remembrance of these really, really important days, uh, specifically days like Yom HaShoah and Yom HaZikaron, uh, the days that in Israel we call the Israeli High Holy Days, these really, really important moments that are important here for us, but uh, are specifically kind of grouped together in Israel. And what we can do to, though we, we have our ceremonies, we uh, always important to, you know, light candles and, and say prayers and uh, songs of remembrance. But how we can add to that to add this active element, you know, what it means to not just say those prayers and light candles and listen to stories, but to find concrete ways to pass them on. Not just listen to the stories, but learning from those stories and working to make sure that the same events don't happen in other contexts. And there are things that we can do from home. There's things that we can do ourselves and there's things that we can do as a community. Um, and what I, I just wanted to take a moment during the season of remembrance to encourage everybody uh, to really think about what it means to actively remember these really important days. Um, and whether that means uh, passing a story on to your children or grandchildren, whether that means uh, you know, taking a moment to learn about a modern day slavery or uh, a modern day conflict that's happening in the world. Uh, there's, there's all these concrete ways that we can actively remember the really important days in our history uh, and, and work to make sure it's not just uh, a passive memory in our thoughts. Tov TBJ, so good to see all of you on uh, this beautiful spring day as the uh, days continue to get a little bit warmer um, and a little bit more budding with uh, all of life's nature and beauty. I'm looking outside of my study window and seeing that I always feel like this time of year, like the, the buds are literally trying to burst themselves out of barrenness, trying to bring forth rebirth. So all of our brothers and sisters, including, of course, our Jewish brothers and sisters have celebrated now our spring ritual holidays. So uh, rebirth, renewal, every kind of vibe and energy from every religion has now been put in the air. And now it's up to nature and to God to, uh, to make it happen. And I agree. I am Zyrtec up to my uh, eyeballs. I, I start early so that I could fight this off. So all of you allergy sufferers, it's sort of like that second shot. It's a sign that our bodies are working, that our worlds are working. Uh, this morning, I am thinking about a midrash that um, I have not shared for a long, long time. It's a midrash about creation, actually, speaking about renewal. Adam and Eve, um, as we know, because of the sin of eating uh, the fruit of the tree they were not supposed to eat, were expelled from the garden, and it was a real loss for them. It was real fear being uh, pushed out to the unknown. And slowly but surely, after that first night, we're told, by the way, that first night is a Saturday night. Uh, the first fire they make is the light of Habdallah. Uh, one of the reasons we put our hands up for the warmth is to feel the warmth that they felt uh, when they were expelled from the garden. And they wake up the next morning on a Sunday morning, 
and they start their way and they start the way to have days, well, uh, very much like all human beings will for all time. They now have worries because perfection is over. They now have to work uh, to be able to make a living, to be able to put food on their kids' table. They now have to travel to be able to be near water uh, because of course that's how it worked in those days and still in our days we have pipes. And they end up traveling a good distance to be able to understand what it means to live in the world. Uh, they get wrinkles on their faces, not just from getting older like we do, but also from uh, hard work, working the land. That was the work that was available. And interestingly enough, in their fairly nomadic life, they end up making a big circle and must be 10, 15 years later, they end up someplace very familiar. And Adam looks at Eve and Eve looks at Adam and says, is it possible? And he says, I think it is. Sure enough, they traveled so long in such a circle that they end up at the familiar gates of the Garden of Eden all over again. And they're like, my goodness, how did we get here? It's not like they had maps, they're sort of confused. They had lived life, gotten very accustomed to their life, in fact. And God comes to them and says, children, you paid for your sin. Uh, the doors are now open. I know you see there the swinging cherubims of the, you know, the sword that's going back and forth that sort of, you know, is made famous in things that we've seen in our generation, like, you know, Harrison Ford's Raiders of the Lost Ark. So we can have the image in our mind. And God stops it. The sword stops swinging and says, children, you don't have to pay for this sin forever. You can come back in now, come back into perfection. And God's expecting them to bolt back in. And Adam looks at Eve, Eve looks at Adam again, and Adam thinks about all the things they've gone through, the ups and the downs, having children, them getting sick, them arguing and fighting with each other, as we know the story of Cain and Abel. And they understand somehow that their blessings have been that much sweeter because of having to learn with everything that's imperfect about life. And Eve looks back at Adam and sees the wrinkles of her husband who's now got older, who's graying here and thinks about everything they've gone through, the ups and the downs, when their marriage has been great, when their marriage has struggled, when their kids have been great, when their kids have struggled, when their jobs have been great and their jobs have struggled, when they felt completely secure about life and completely insecure about life. And they looked at each other with the self-same look and they said to God lovingly and respectfully, we're gonna pass. And God says, what do you mean, my children? I'm, I'm offering you perfection again. I said, yeah, but our lives have been made something special because our lives are not perfect. Our faces are not always smooth. Our jobs are not always exactly what we dream them to be. Our relationships are meaningful and deep because of everything we put into them, not because they've been made out for us, just to be able to go along with some kind of ease, almost a boring sense of what life is. Life is special out here. We made a mistake years ago, and back then, of course, we would have wanted to stay, and it would have been different. But this world is special because we're partnering with it. We're working with our own hands. We're making our own dreams come true. We're not waiting for you to do it. And I just thought about the complete paradox in that. Like in some ways, we're constantly striving for, for the garden, for Sinai, for whatever perfect means for us, for the nostalgia of what we thought the perfect period of life was. That's what life is about, is exploring the everyday, not the perfect um, and not the end-all be-all, but just being every day. So I say that because I'm thinking a lot about um, a year's worth of um, impact. That is, you know, it's one thing to have a crisis in a week and figure out how to process that. But a crisis of a year means that we're so used to it, we're not exactly sure, um, even in real time, how it is that we're reacting to not being there anymore, even though we're sort of half in and half out. 
David Brooks wrote a really uh, important piece this week about um, the, the, the great extroverts out there. If you consider yourself, you're just going to be much more used to being an introvert than you think. Uh, those of us who uh, love to be at this event or that event, and this concert and that Broadway show, are going to have a lot harder of a time adjusting back to that. And we're really going to have to assess for ourselves what perfection is, what imperfection is, what the garden is, what real life is, what isolation is, and what it means to be out there again. And as much as we're all clamoring not to be isolated, I guess what I'm saying to you, to me, David Brooks said this beautifully, is be careful because we really better assess um, what we bring with us uh, that may change who we are after. Some of it for the great and for the better, and some of it that is going to be sluggish in terms of how we interact in the world again. And uh, each of us have, have our examples of that, of everything that we can't stand and everything that we sort of sort of liked and gotten used to that we're gonna to try to figure out what it means to be back into. So the paradox of Adam and Eve being invited back into the garden and saying, you know what, God, life itself is pretty good, even the imperfect, even the bumps, somehow it makes life what it is, the wrinkles, are actually really, really sacred and gorgeous. And uh, we're constantly striving to smooth them out, but they represent something so sacred and special. Sometimes leaving them just the way they are really means a lot more to us than we actually give them credit for. Tov, everyone. Lots of love. Thank you for listening to this edition of Call Jeshurun. If you would like to learn more, visit our website at tbj.org and follow us on social media for updates on all our upcoming opportunities for engagement. We really hope to see you soon.